MDN TV, the podcast. Be abreast with now. Never miss a thing with MDN TV, the podcast. We love to keep you in the present with diverse goodies from secular and non secular subjects of global interest. Join us. Grab more from these series. Listen to our podcasts. The undeniable choice. It's sundown. The day has just begun. Good morning, good morning, good morning, everybody. Yes, ha ha. This is MDN Shows running with the times. MDN Shows has pitched his tent away from traditional grounds just to reach you only on MDN TV, the podcast. And I am Major Daughter. Welcome, welcome, welcome to all our listeners and viewers around the world. Meet us in the comments. We are live there. Engage. Share this podcast. Share this podcast. Share this program right away. Let me tell you, have you ever heard of a disease or a syndrome called the tall puppy syndrome? It's actually a disease whereby someone has joy of cutting others down. They find pleasure. Well, I'm not an expert in this. I actually had to do a little bit of study myself because I was wondering, what is this? Well, we're going to look at life Look at the world through the lenses of the tall puppy syndrome. And to do that, he's a professor, he's a doctor. I mean, he has experienced the tall puppy syndrome himself. He's the best person to tell us about this. Do you know anyone who could be a tall puppy? Let's all find out together and bring your example. Engage, engage, engage right after this. MDN TV, the podcast. Be abreast with now. Never miss a thing with MDN TV, the podcast. We love to keep you in the present with diverse goodies from secular and non secular subjects of global interest. Join us. Grab more from these series. Listen to our podcasts. The undeniable the choice. The undeniable choice indeed for today is Dr. Doug Garland. Look, thanks a gazillion times, Doug, for your time your wisdom. Many questions come to my mind. The history of this tall puppy syndrome. What is tall puppy syndrome? And uh, what is this joy of cutting others down? Because we look at politics, we look at our world. It's all about cutting others down. That those who have joy or find joy or find pleasure in cutting others down. What does it even mean to be a tall puppy? Am I a tall puppy? Could I be a tall puppy? Well, I don't know. Doc, the mic sings to you now. Please tell the world who is Dr. Doc Gallant and where you're from. And that we can get to the meat of today's discussion. I'm Doug Garland. I'm now retired, but I practice orthopedic surgery in Los Angeles, California for 37 years. I was a clinical professor of orthopedic surgery at the University of Southern California. I published more than 120 scientific peer-reviewed articles. I feel I was tall poppied uh, during my tenureship. Mm. After I retired, I decided to do research on the tall poppy syndrome, which uh, eventuated into a book called The Tall Poppy Syndrome, The Joy of Cutting Others Down. There's two parts to the title, the original, the main title, the Tall Poppy Syndrome, 
is a metaphor for looking at a field of poppies and wanting to cut the tall ones down so that everyone in the field is the same size. Wow. Now, in doing that cutting down, some people receive joy of that. And that's the second part of the, or the subtitle, which actually is has a term as well. It's a German term. Other cultures have different terms or customs, but it's two words, one meaning joy and one meaning pain. And you get, some people actually get joy by cutting somebody down or seeing some tall poppy cut down. So that's in essence the meaning of, of um, the tall poppy syndrome and the um, subtitle, which is really a German term called Schadenfreude. Mm. What does it mean to be a tall poppy? Now we understand what it means uh, what the tall poppy syndrome means, but what does it mean to be a tall poppy? Could I be a tall poppy? Could someone listening be a tall poppy? Doc? Well, in many ways, everybody's a tall poppy, but <laughs> uh, the, well, I mean, we're all important, right? So yes. in, in, God's, in God's eyes, we're really all tall poppies. Yes. But that yes. becomes the first part of the, of the question of the tall poppy and who's a tall poppy. So that all is very personal, subjective and biased. So your tall poppy may not be my tall poppy, but certainly oh. a tall poppy would be generally somebody that has some stature in society. Maybe he's made a lot of money, maybe a politician, usually a media person in America, somebody in sports. So somebody that has, attained some type of achievement, that would be the traditional so-called tall poppy. That's Mm. a huge problem in the tall poppy syndrome I found during my research and had to tackle that concept. And I came up with uh, two types of tall poppy syndrome. One is what I call peer-to-peer Uh, or private. And in that is the most common type and the type that we never hear about that occurs within your family. That occurs within uh, your schooling. It occurs when you go to college and it occurs with uh, once you get into the work or business world. And that's mainly driven by competition Uh, If you think about your family, um, at least in our family, there were seven children, and my parents tried very hard to maintain equality, equity among all of us. If we didn't have only birthdays, say, when we were seven years old, and they could only spend so much money on it. And each birthday, then, whoever turned seven got to have a birthday party with their friends, and there would only be so much money spent. If, you know, somebody had two birthday parties and the rest of us didn't, that was uh, equitable. So the family dynamics frequently are to keep everybody equal so that one doesn't feel more special than the rest. And, of course, that occurs 
Then as you get into the school system, especially now in America, we used to have valedictorians. And now a lot of schools are getting away from that. And everybody gets a trophy. So that's the first thing that you must realize with the tall poppy syndrome is that you don't have to be tall to be cut down. Mm. And the second then is the more what I now term public tall poppy and the tall pop and the true tall poppy syndrome as described in the metaphor. And that person usually is some person of stature. They do some type of egregious activity. Uh, the egregious activity that I've most commonly defined is greed, uh, lust, and most commonly pride, prideful or hubris, H-U-B-R-I-S. It's pride cometh before the fall is a Bible quotation. Yes. And that frequently occurs whether it's in the tall poppy, whether it's in the business, or even a country. So the that's the main difference. So you can figure out who's your own tall poppy, but you don't have to be tall poppy. And the tall poppy syndrome exists mostly within your sphere of people that you are surrounded by. So in your neighborhood, I mean, we have neighborhood envy, neighborhood pride, right? Pride of ownership of your home. And neighborhood envy would be seeing somebody has better Christmas decorations than you do. So this is a perfect time to talk about envy, which is the main driver of the cutter. So I, I define behavior in the cutter and in the tall poppy. So in the cutter, it's mainly driven by envy. Envy, um, psychologists have different ways to express envy, meaning that it's basically just a functional state. It doesn't matter uh, how it's happening, whether it's good or bad or positive or negative, but some psychologists don't just don't define it. They just say it happens. But when we, when you look through really classifications of it, the most common one is positive and negative or good and bad. So good envy yes. was B2, look at your neighbor's Christmas lights and they have really nice ones and you want to empty that person and maybe have a little home ownership and pride. And then you buy more lights and put up more lights. Mm. That's, that's what society improves by, by good envy and emulating somebody else and improving yourself. Bad envy would be to go over at midnight and break all <laughs> the bulbs on light. Yes. <laughs> and so it's much, it's much easier to um, do bad envy, to cut somebody down so, so rather than improve yourself. If I may chime in, could criminality be driven by this tall poppy syndrome also? Bad envy, if I can put it that way. Doc? Yes. I mean, that, that drive, uh, I think envy is the most prevalent of all the emotions uh, because envy is always on. I, I mean, if I were to look at you in person for the first time, I mean, you have all these mental things going on in your head. I'm looking at your hair. I'm looking at your figure. Yes. I, I'm, look, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm doing this subconscious evaluation yes. of you. 
So you do that when you drive down the neighborhood, you look at the lawns, you look at the cars. So you're, and unfortunately that's what the internet is all about and and selfies and everything is, is it's one big envy machine. You're, you're posting all these pictures and all your friends are looking at it and comparing uh, yourself to what they're doing. And really, uh, it really unfortunately drives bad envy. And, you know, that's, it drives a lot of suicides actually, because people are so frustrated to think everybody's better than they are. Yes. So yes, it divides our criminal system because the, the criminals are the have nots and they want what somebody else has. So best way to do that is to steal, not to get a job and work hard. And maybe it's stealing, you're still going to make more money. So it drives, it's uh, bad envy drives our criminal system as well. So it's very prevalent and most commonly found in the cutter and usually in people with lower self-esteem. We could actually, we could actually uh, help with this, with the bully. Bullying is sort of similar to the tall poppy syndrome, but the bully always, it's a power and the bully person always picks on somebody that is not as powerful. So they always uh, go downward, somebody lower than them, whether it's mental, financial, strength, uh, some, somebody they pick on other people, and it has to be repetitive. So that's the first differentiation between these two enemies that, that could look kind of similar, especially when you're school age. And the tall poppy syndrome rally is really cutting somebody who should be taller than you are. So one's picking on the lower, one is picking on somebody taller. Now the other thing that happens with the true tall poppy is they do have good traits. Uh, they have, have achieved status and then they do something bad. Bad fortune happens, which usually they cause. Wow. And then as I say, usually it's pride, hubris. Uh, then the uh, short poppy or the regular person feels justified in cutting that person down. Mm. So that there's still a cutter, but it wasn't the cutter's bad behavior. It was the tall poppy's bad behavior. So when you look at the, if you can identify a, an example of a tall poppy syndrome, the first thing the viewer has to do is determine the emotions involved and who was using an emotion negatively or uh, so what is a bad envy on the cutter? Is it bad uh, activity, bad emotion on the tall poppy's part and how you actually grow as a person then your own bias comes into this and you have to sort through that, but then you have to understand your role in society and what your own personal behavior. So when I wrote the book, I was trying to uh, explain what the tall poppy syndrome was, and I found prevalence of it pretty much throughout the world in various time frames. But it ended up to be a self-help book because it's a really a study of emotions 
and emotions drive any individual, whether you're aggressive, passive, uh, want to be a star. So that that's all your emotional makeup. So if you understand emotions, you'll understand the tall poppy syndrome, and likewise, you'll understand yourself better. Yes. Now, you have experienced the tall poppy syndrome yourself, you say, firsthand. Could this be the reason why you studied or you were inspired to study the tall poppy syndrome? As it happened, yes. I I was um, head of a spinal cord injury unit in Los Angeles, a rather prom- prominent one, and I had been fairly prominent in the field. I was actually president of the American Spinal Injury Association at the time. And I I was going to go to Australia for six weeks and have six um, major spinal units in the country, and I was going to um, go to a week at each one and, and review the program with with each director, I was away at a academic meeting and actually meeting with Australian people at that time. And when I came back uh, to LA and I went to my office, my office had moved from the best office uh, on our floor down to a cubby hole. Yes. And I told my, I went home and told my wife, and at that time, she used the metaphor that they've moved your cheese. I had been at that hospital for 30 years and gained all my national and some international fame there. Did a lot of publications. And she said, they've moved your cheese. Uh, I'd been there 30 years. And she said, you know, it's, uh, it's time for you to move on. Mm. And fortunately, she had more a more emotional intelligence than I did because the normal thing would be to get in a fight and try and get your office back and figure out who had actually made the decision to do that and take some sort of revenge on them. Yes. But instead, uh, I took her advice. I, I went to my office. I threw all my research and uh, I brought in two great big plastic containers, threw all my research in, all my awards, all my talks, put the key on the desk and walked out. I called the people in Australia and told them uh, that I wouldn't be coming in, I think it was six weeks, and they wanted to know why, and I explained. And they said, well, my goodness, you've been tall poppied. Wow. And that is going to be <laughs> as foreign to your listeners' the ears as professor. it was foreign to mine. And I, I had I had her say it about two or three more times, and then I said, well, you know, that that is, I don't understand that word. What what a what are you talking about? Wow. And he told me. <laughs> and so I, uh, I, I, I didn't fixate on it, but that stayed in the back of my mind. So I had a yes. private practice at that time and I just did private practice. I didn't uh, do my academics and my rehabilitation part of my life and just did general <laughs> orthopedics. And then when I retired seven years ago, uh, I couldn't get the tall poppy syndrome out of my mind and being tall poppied. So I, I um, have now spent seven intense years studying the tall poppy syndrome worldwide. Hmm. And the first of the year I published a book on the tall poppy syndrome. But I, I have to tell you, all the tall poppies that 
I studied and our examples in the book, which there's a chapter of them, all of them were tall poppied and all of them grew by being tall poppy. They changed their behavior. They understood something better. They understand the people around them or maybe something wasn't being perceived correctly. And I have to tell you, I do think I was tall poppied and I grew out of that experience. Um, I practiced, uh, orthopedic surgery five more years I became head of a total joint program and I run that ran that program way differently than I ran my spinal cord injury program mm. and I had probably my happiest uh, most successful time in my career at the very end when I should have been slowing down and taking life easily so it was a major step and of course I grew Anytime you spend a lot of time research researching some something you you grow on it, but now I'm retired, I'm not in the competitive field, so it's hard to grow tall when you just enjoy life <laughs> and, and, and well uh, swap flies all day that are in your house. Yes. Well it turns out all things do really work out together for our good. And in this case, it did work out together for your good. You know, um, my mind is in two places, but maybe I should come here first. You talk about um, emotions that drive and cause this tall puppy syndrome. You talk about emotions that drive um, the carter and the cutty. Can you explain that? Well, the most in the English-speaking language, most research was done in in Australia. Australia is a fascinating country because they were originally a penal colony for England. And that uh, prison culture has survived uh, since the very beginning of their founding. Yes, and that that culture is, of course, that everybody is equal. So in the English-speaking countries, uh, Australia is the most um, egalitarian country uh, amongst us. And the tall poppy syndrome is well-known there and is is well-studied. So I spent a large amount of my time studying the Australian population and and understanding their culture and, and actually comparing it to Americans culture where we worship the individual, not the collective, but the, in their own studies, which mine back it up, the most common emotion uh, of the cutter is bad envy. And I've kind of explained that. And the thing is that if you're in prison and nobody has anything you're all equal. You're truly all equal. You should have the same boots, the same clothes. Every, nobody has a radio or a cell phone. But, you know, some it's usually a small item. If somebody has a toothbrush, if somebody, if everybody has a, a worthless toothbrush that lasts for a, the Brussels only. MDN TV, the podcast.
Be abreast with now. Never miss a thing with MDN-TV, the podcast. We love to keep you in the present with diverse goodies from secular and non-secular subjects of global interest. Join us. Grab more from these series. Listen to our podcasts. The undeniable choice. Ladies and gentlemen, we are talking the tall poppy syndrome. The joy of cutting others down. Are you a tall poppy? Have you ever been tall poppied? Huh? Have you experienced this? Tell us what are your uh, experiences around the tall puppy syndrome, if you can recognize it now that you know. If you didn't know like me, well, now that you know, have you, can you recognize it? Do you think you've been tall puppied somewhere, somehow, anywhere, where? Examples of your tall puppies, for example. Uh, Dr. Dog talks about um, this tall puppy syndrome. He says... Your tall puppy may not be my tall puppy. Who are your tall puppies? Who do you think are are the cutters? Are the world's biggest cutters? Those who cut others down. Who are the cutties? Well, meet us in the comments and share your thoughts. Ask your questions. This is interesting. Look, we live in a knowledge uh, based economy. Everything is about what you know, who you know. Yeah, so it matters who you listen to and what you have been hearing. And Dr. Doug Garland is a knowledge bank. Yes, let me repeat that. He's a knowledge bank. And he joins me. Welcome back. Doc, we lost you there. We lost so much. I was just talking to our audience about um, about you being the knowledge bank and I was asking the question that uh, who are the world's biggest cutters really? Because we're talking about the cutter and the cutie. Who are the world's biggest cutters? Can we have such examples? And you say something very, very important here. You say, my tall puppy may not be your tall puppy. This is individual base. Doc? Well, you, I mean, you can use politics, um, you know, in politics, uh, one guy's, uh, in America, it's Republican and one guy's a Democrat. There's <laughs> going to be, if you're a Republican, you're not going to have very many Democrats that are tall poppies. So our country's going to be completely divided on who exactly is a tall poppy, uh, politician. Yes. And I'm asking myself and, the same question between the two. The two examples. So, so this is very, this is all very good. That's why you have to have a little flexibility in, in trying to understand the tall poppy syndrome when you first become maybe as sophisticated as I am at it, because there's a lot of innuendos in it. As, as we're talking, just the, the, is it the cutter, the cutty that has bad behavior? who is a real tall poppy. And that's why we have the peer to peer. We can sometimes just remove the, the tall poppy component out of it and just look at, at your tribe or your group yes. and figure out who, who is uh, doing bad things or bad behavior. So bad things come from bad behavior and bad behavior comes from bad, bad, what we call uh, bad emotions. And, one way to 
I, I mean, I like the positive and negative components of an emotion. If you have a positive or negative, positive envy is to do emulate somebody and improve yourself and be like them. The negative is to cut them down. If you look at Christianity, um, they look at it differently. They, they think envy is a bad, is always a bad emotion. It's one of the seven deadly sins. Mm. So we already have identified three deadly sins in the cutter. And if we look at the, the tall poppy, why, why they, are cut down, it's usually because of pride, lust, and greed. Mm. So if your listeners want to remember something, the makeup of the cutter and the kati is six out of the seven so-called deadly sins. The only deadly sin that's not involved in the tall poppy syndrome is uh, gluttony. So that will help you uh, along the confusing way when you first start of um, who's the good guy and who's the bad guy in the, within the tall poppy syndrome. And it also helps you understand your own self. Uh, are, are you also envious? Sorry, if you don't like that politician, if you're a Republican and you don't like that Democratic politician, is it because of your own uh, bad envy of that person and they're really good? Your bad envy is clouding your 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 uh, judgment, and that person really is a tall poppy. So the cutter is still cutting, but he's using justification to uh, cut somebody down. And and I can tell you, so I've given you a way to look psychologically an emotion to help understand it, the positive and negative components of it. I've given you Christianity, uh, the way Christians look at it, you have a negative emotion. Yes. And the positive emotion is 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 the virtue. So the virtue of envy is kindness. So if you you're thinking bad thoughts uh, you want to cut somebody down, you need to be kind to your neighbor and compliment them and tell them how nice their decorations are. And if we have time, I'll tell you a very fascinating other concept that that helps you understand your own bias. So on the Eastern religion, if you look at Buddhism, Buddhism has near and far enemies when he's talking about emotions. Yes. This is a very important concept. Near emotions mimic the true emotion. And it's your own bias within yourself that you don't understand the subtlety of it. And you've got them confused where everybody understands the far emotion, the true true enemy. So, I mean, if, if you, if you don't like that Democrat, he's your enemy. You understand that he, he maybe likes to raise taxes and you don't like that component. So we get that. <laughs> but it's the, yes. the self-righteousness, the true moral, what we now have become in most nations of moral justification 
And unfortunately, that moral justification frequently is not, should be deemed righteous indignation. That's the justification to cut somebody down because morally that, that person is lustful, that person is greedy, that person has excessive pride. Mm. And that's um, a moral judgment. But unfortunately, when I look at everything, when I look at America and I look around the world and around the Internet especially, moral justification has turned into self-righteousness. Yes. And everybody thinks they're right now. That's self-righteousness. That's the near enemy of righteous indignation that Buddha was talking about. And you can, and this is most clearly driven home by our recent COVID crisis. We had all this um, self justification of why we wanted to cut down our leaders, why we wanted to take the vaccine or not take it. It was really what I call our own madness, which is self-righteousness driving the whole confusion of the COVID and what wear a mask, don't wear a mask, social distancing, no social distancing, get a vaccination, don't get a vaccination. It, it, in the end, it's, it's a loss of trust in your leadership. And the, the real question is, why did we lose um, our trust in our leadership? Were they really bad poppies or really were they tall poppies? Mm. And you have to understand yourself, was it your own self-justification? Was that wrong? Were you not listening to the true science behind it and cherry-picking some scientific article that was meaningless and then justifying your own actions of not taking the vaccination or cutting down the tall poppy leader who was trying to do the public good? And if you are kind of getting aware of how I think about the world and life, that's it's one big tall poppy syndrome lens, but it's really understanding human nature, which includes your own human nature as, as being a judge yes. of um, people being cut down or maybe you wanting to cut somebody down. Is there a cure for this kind of a syndrome, this disease? Can it be cured? Uh, emotional intelligence, yes. So in, let me give you the, since I'm a physician, <laughs> let me te- talk about medicine a little bit. Yes, Doug. So in order, to, in order to cure a disease, the first thing you have to, so a lot of people, when I wrote the book, this is negative. This is too negative. I get down by it. I get down by it. I, it, I don't like seeing all these people. It's like watching a film in <laughs> Africa and seeing the lion, the lion take down a, <laughs> Antelope, right? So, yes. But you have to you have to remember, and this is really a good point too. Tolstoy and Anna Karina said that all good families are the same, and all bad families are different. Mm. And medicine is exactly like that. If you come into the office and you're healthy, I'm not going to help you. And most healthy, healthy, healthy people have all the same characteristics. They don't eat salt. They don't eat over their calories. 
they wear seat belts, they wear helmets. So, <laughs> so the yes. the same is there. We just don't accept it. But to be a tall poppy is out there and it's open for everybody. And the principles are pretty same, similar. But you know, disease. Uh, we learn from disease. You know, we learn from COVID. We learn from AIDS. So in in medicine. Uh, you learn more when when you study the disease uh, than you do from studying health. So it's more important to study the tall poppy syndrome um, than it is to into the, the action of being cut down than it is to st- study the tall poppies because there's ten thousand self help books a year, mm. new books on self help that includes cooking, yes. exercise, and everything. Yes, yes. And I made a conscious decision when I first read that, that, that I'm not going to do a self-help book. I actually, the third of the original book was how to grow tall. And I determined that I was not going to be the author that would be the guy to tell the world how to grow tall <laughs> because yes. tons, tons of people already said that. So I decided that wow. I could help people grow tall by emphasizing the negative and bad behavior. Yes. And it turns out if you were to re- read the reviews of my book on on Amazon, people get that. It's not labeled as a self-help book, but if you understand the tall poppy syndrome, you'll understand the world and you'll understand yourself better. I think we are at the tail end and you have already given so much this has become a master class. We've had so many teachable, teachable moments already. Now, if anyone listening out there, have you ever been tall puppied or have you been tall puppying people? Tell us about your own experience and who is your own tall puppy? I mean, really, just be honest now. Say all this in the comments. We are live there and we'll endeavor to respond to as much as to as many uh, comments as we can. Coming to your book on Amazon, would you tell us a little bit about that? How can people get the book and uh, what's in the book? It's titled The Tall Puppy Syndrome, The Joy of Cutting Others Down. Doc? So the the book is really um, the definition of the tall poppy syndrome. And the first actually is a glossary of terms. So I put it in the front of the book, not the back. So you would know where it was because, you know, I'm a doctor. So I I speak, I do doctor speak. So uh, the first part is actually a glossary of terms and how you're going to have to semi learn them, but you know where they are. So you can always turn back to them. Then I go through the definitions of, of the tall poppy syndrome and the confusion just as we've done. But the most important part and and how I learned that it was an emotional study was I began at the first description of the tall poppy syndrome. And I would go through many countries at various periods of time and I was able to identify uh, the tall poppy syndrome in every country every culture, although they may have a different term or um, um, different culture, for example, one that should be mentioned would be the Nordic or Scandinavian countries 
they have the law of Jante, J-A-N-T-E. That's Ten Commandments. That's like the Christian Ten Commandments of how to be good. Mm. The Nordic people actually have uh, Ten Commandments of how not to grow tall. They also are a very egalitarian country, and they don't like people to uh, be showboats and be better than the populace. So every every country uh, that's prevalent, J- Japan, uh, which is a very egalitarian country, uh, they have their saying is um, the pound the tall nail gets pounded down. Uh, Holland, which is a very egalitarian country, their saying is the tall tree captures all the wind. Mm-hmm. So I found it. Everywhere, it was originally described by Herodotus, who was the uh, well-known Greek historian, and it was originally described uh, on how to govern. And by that, I mean, uh, when you govern, you have people that don't agree with you. Yes. And metaphor there was the governor went out into a, a wheat field, and he cut down all the uh, tall heads of the wheat so that all the wheat wheat was equal. And when you think about it, Socrates is one of our first tall poppies that was cut down. He drank the hemlock. And the next um, period I looked at was Roman history. Roman history is very interesting on many levels because Rome was set, Rome was founded 750 B.C., the first 250 years were, were kingdoms. There were seven kings, and then it became a republic. Very interesting. The republic from 500 B.C. to essentially 0 B.C. And re- remember, the republic was um, destroyed by the Greeks around three, 350 B.C. or 300 B.C., the yes. Polynesian Wars. And all the history was destroyed. Everything was destroyed at that time. So the history of Rome previous to that was destroyed. And then the rebuilding of Rome, there was no history person. Livy, L-I-V-Y, became the um, great Russian or Roman historian. But Livy wasn't born until the last 50 years. Of, of the Roman Republic. And what Livy taught me was that he looked at Greek history and all the other stories had been about Roman history had passed down. And he understood the human emotion and that he knew that the Roman emotions were exactly the same as the Greek emotions. And he made up Greek history based on the emotional makeup of the preceding leaders. Mm. And he described the true tall poppy syndrome, which was Tarquin, the pride, the proud, which is very interesting because pride is the main cutter of the tall poppy. Tarquin, the proud was the last king of the kingdom of the Romans. And his son was governing, uh, Sextus was governing in a town called Gabby, J-A-B-B-I, and he sent a messenger back to his dad that he was having trouble governing his populace, and he needed to understand how. 
uh, Tarkman went out to a field of poppies and leveled the tall poppies. The messenger went back and uh, told Sextus what he needed to do, and Sextus understand that he needed to kill all the opposing leaders in the town so that he could rule. And he did that, and that is the original description of the tall poppy syndrome. And when you think about it, uh, Rome, uh, Caesar was tall poppied, and we just, and the governments then, uh, that dictated how most empires, whether it's the first empire of China, first emperor of China, Genghis Khan, shoguns, any communism, everybody leveled the tall poppy, literally and figuratively. All the kingdoms in all European countries, they frequently just uh, use the guillotine to cut down tall poppies. And that persists into our governments today. So I, I decided that the governments were actually still the main cutters in the tall poppy syndrome. It goes unrecognized. Mm. Uh, Holland does, or nobody talks about it. Uh, yes. Australia never talks about the government yes. being the tall, cutting people down. But we can see in our Russia-Ukraine war right now, that's the tall poppy uh, really trying to cut down another country. Uh, Putin's trying to cut down his rival. And we can see in China, the premier there just cut down the his opposing leaders. And he just now is now going to run his fifth term, his third term, which is five years. But their previous law had been you could only serve two terms. So mm-hmm. he got rid of all wow. the people that opposed him. So the original description uh, was clear back in ancient Greece and Roman history, and I was able to trace it all the way in all cultures back to our present day. And it's very, very prominent, trust me, in every country, it's uh, both in the here and in the public. It's real. Would you say the now former prime minister of UK was tall puppied? He was tall poppy. The, uh, I mean, every so once again, everybody's going to have their opinion. Yes. Of uh, of the both premiers. I don't know which one you mean, Boris Johnson or <laughs> no? The I mean the woman that, minister. Yeah, <laughs> I they, mean they the were woman both. prime minister. Sorry, <laughs> they were both. Well, oh. we. She didn't. So here's the two takes on that. Well, first, one. The first. Of, First of all, the Boris Johnson. So most tall poppies are emotional uh, people that, that that drive people's emotions both positively and negatively. Yes. And he was um, a real tall poppy. You know, he was uh, governor or the mayor of London, and he was a reporter before, and he was a very good author, and he wrote a very good book, a wonderful book on on Churchill, even. So he was a tall poppy by many ways. He was in the Conservative Party, which has been ruling England lately and, of course, was responsible for their Brexit. But his problem was, uh, one was hubris, which is what cut him down. He's telling everybody that they can't um, be, they have to social distance and can't be having uh, get-togethers 
but here he was uh, having get-togethers with with his cronies and being together and partying and having nice dinners and stuff. So on the one hand, that was the emotional issue that people really, they were so mad at him. And that's what, when you feel personally hurt, you really identify with it and you want to cut him down. So he, Mm. uh, so that's what drove his actual cutting down was, was really hubris. But in the end, it was economics. I mean, the underlying problem was he, he was conservative, but he, the conservatives, he wasn't really a conservative. He wasn't practicing conservative policies and the conservatives had a hard time with him as much as the other group of politicians. Now the other lady didn't really get to grow tall. Um, and, and I mean, there could be so many things. She, she made some bad decisions. You know, she could actually be an app. Um, her governance wasn't good. Her decision-making good. Um, feminine issues could be involved. So there's a lot of things that um, don't let me analyze her. <laughs> and the smile time. on your face tells me there's more than what you're saying and oh, telling us. Well, but so you, so you, and that, that brings up another point, which is the schadenfreude. Yes. So let me, so, so trust me, there was, when, when Boris Johnson was cut down, uh, there was a lot of schadenfreude in the country. And yes. I don't think there was as much. I mean, I think people were actually, I think they wanted her to win. I think she was a breath of fresh air and a woman and, and, and mean, change. And uh, maybe things were going to be better. So I don't think there was as much schadenfreude when, when she was cut down as there was when Boris Johnson. And I have to tell you, in America, so Trump was this very emotional figure and he had yes. a lot of haters <laughs> and a lot of lovers. So I monitor on Google, uh, I monitor the incidence of tall poppy syndrome in the world or Google does for me. And Google monitors the tall, uh, schadenfreude for me. Hmm. And so when it came down that uh, Trump and his wife both tested positive for COVID, uh, the schadenfreude index, the world schadenfreude index on Google hit the highest peak that it's ever happened. Wow. So there were tons of people uh, experienced schadenfreude, unfortunately. I mean, instead of empathy or kindness, uh, they chose uh, happiness and and (laughs) bad envy and and schadenfreude, which which is part of what part of what's wrong with the world now? You yes. know, we're so yes. critical of everybody and we're happy. We're happy when bad things occur to other people. And that that's just not right. But you say we find the same things in the Bible. You say this goes uh, all the way into the Holy Book. Well, the Bible, um, the Bible is of the tall poppy syndrome. And once again, remember when you think like I think that emotions and Libby taught me this, that emotions drive everything. Emotions drive the Bible. They drive the chosen people um, and they drive, drive the characters. So we don't, 
we, we hardly open the first page and Eve is already conned Adam to join her and eat the apple because she wasn't supposed to eat the apple and she chose to be godlike, no have all wisdom. And then, so that's her, she's a tall poppy, that's her pride. Mm. Pridefulness or hubris is the first example of the tall poppy syndrome as far as I'm concerned in the Bible. And it's also very interesting because it's a woman and women have a tendency not to be excessively prideful, which is called hubris, as opposed to the male who's full to his eyebrows in pridefulness. So our first example of the tall poppy syndrome in the Bible is Adam, Adam and Eve, but we don't turn but a few more pages and we run into Cain and Abel, which is also a wonderful study. So that's the familial uh, bad envy that occurs in every family, which I mentioned my parents tried very hard to keep all of us equal. So they had to offer gifts up to God, and God uh, chose the uh, gift of Abel. He didn't necessarily, it didn't mean a rejection. That's your own, um, your own madness, you know, yes. but your own interpretation of that. Just because somebody chooses something, hmm. somebody else's or not yours, that's not necessarily a rejection of your gift. That may be what God wanted at that time. It's like, how do you get a promotion? You may think you have a better merit than the other person, but maybe that, Maybe the pro- promotion was based on we need a Spanish-speaking person in in our company because we have a lot of customers that are Spanish-speaking. Mm. So the, the the whole your whole what I call madness and self-righteousness is screwed up. So Cain completely interpreted that incorrectly, and he wow. developed bad envy of Cain and instead of improving himself and uh, looking at what Cain did and trying to emulate his gift and maybe understand precisely what was God was looking for in the sacrifice or gift, he turned his bad envy on Cain and or Abel and then that turned to hate, turned to revenge and he eventually killed him. So Cain killed Abel, so literally and figuratively, he cut down his tall poppy brother. Mm. So that's another, right early on in Genesis, that we have two cases within the Bible of the tall poppy syndrome. And a much more subtle one, for example, will be Moses, the leader of the promised people. Yes. To the promised land, and Moses was to um, have water come out of a rock, and he was to tap the rock with his staff. And I forget why he was angry with God, but he was too prideful, and he slapped his um, staff down on the rock, and the water came out. But because of that action, God cut him down. And it's unbelievable to me that 
Moses didn't get to go to the promised land. But he was prideful and God cut him down for it. And his penalty was to be uh, buried on the hill overlooking the promised land. So the Bible is full of emotionally charged characters. Uh, For me, um, emotionally charged characters on the world are people that drive world events rather than than events themselves, such as World War II yes. or or World War One. So frequently, the events uh, drive world history, but true tall poppies drive world history. And the Bible is full of tall poppies and full of the tall poppy syndrome. MDN Talk Radio. The mic swings to you. At MDN Talk Radio, the conversation is upbeat with life-enhancing chats moderated by personalities that matter. Exclusive conversations to keep our radio community interactive is with you now. Log on from the comfort of your couch or take us along in your palm as you go. Hear us. The undeniable choice.